You're listening to The Riverwalk. Today's message is from a guest pastor, Lee Feller, from First Baptist Church, Terry, Mississippi, about trusting in the Lord in all circumstances. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Church, well, aren't you glad this morning that our hope is not built on a political party? Our hope is not built on gas prices. Our hope is not built on the economy. Our hope is built on nothing less than... Jesus, Jesus' blood and righteousness. And aren't you glad this morning that everything that is now broken one day won't be broken? And that we who have trusted in Jesus will one day see Him face to face. Are you, are you hungry for that this morning? Yeah. Let me ask you again, church. Are you hungry for that this morning? I'm, y'all, I'm so, I'm so hungry for I'm almost as hungry. I, I'm almost as hungry for heaven as I am turkey milk. Somebody said that St. Patrick's Day was coming up. and that, What day What day was that? Thursday. Thursday? Opening day of turkey season in Mississippi is Wednesday. So I imagine if I could wear some camouflage on Thursday, I might not get pinched. What y'all think? <laughs> Friends, if you have your Bible, I'm going to invite you to take it and turn with me to the book of, book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And when you get there, let's stand together and let's read God's Word. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. You're there, say I'm there. All right. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. and Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight the paths. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank You this morning for Your Word. God, I want to thank You for this precious church, for their pastor, for his family. And Father, we thank You for this opportunity for us to gather together and remember that Jesus Christ has lived the life that we could not live. He died the death that we should have died, and He rose again. In our place. Thank you for this opportunity each and every Sunday that we have to gather together, to encourage one another, to love one another, to forgive one another, to restore one another, to reprove one another, to bear one another's burdens, and to remind each other that the tomb is empty, the throne is occupied, and one day Jesus will return for his bride. Father, we thank you this morning that we have your word. God, thank you that we have it in, in our language. God, thank you that we have it in many different uh, translations across this room, even on our on our iPhones and on our tablets. But Lord, we confess this morning that we have a great need for your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we need you to come. We need you to open our ears. We need you to open our eyes. We need you to break through the fog and free us from distractions, Lord. We know that this morning that our hearts are perpetual factories of idols. We continually look to anything and everything else other than you. So Holy Spirit... We need you to crush the idols in our hearts so that we would see Jesus. Holy Spirit, I'm in desperate need of you this morning to grant me unction, to grant me power, and to help me preach as a dying man to dying men. So Lord, would you fill me with that unction? Would you fill me with that power? Help me to preach your word boldly and compassionately. Holy Spirit, would you do a great work in in our midst, but not just in in our midst. Lord, would you work 
in the midst of so many other churches that are meeting even right now, Father. Specifically, we, we pray for Sardis. We pray for, for Temple. Lord, we pray that you would bless their men as they stand in the pulpit this morning, God. Would you empower them? Would you functionize them for your for their good and for your glory? Father, work in our midst. We, we trust you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. There are some words that just ring in your brain forever, and that no matter how, how long you live, you'll never forget them. For, for example, I can remember the day that I proposed to my wife, Jordan, at, in her classroom at uh, Mendenhall Elementary. I'd sneak, I'd snuck into her room, showed up, surprised her, and which wasn't out of the ordinary. It wasn't uncommon. It was something I did pretty, pretty often. <clears throat> but she didn't know it. I was wearing my Southern Miss hoodie, Go Eagles, and I had an engagement ring slipped in my pocket. And so as we were, I was sitting at her desk, she was teaching, and one little child um, spoke, spoke up, piped up, and said, Mr. Lee has an engagement ring in his pocket. It's <laughs> the first time I hit a kid. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And then finally they, they slipped out, and she came back, and I turned on her smart board and wrote, Will you marry me on the board? And got down on one knee, and the first thing out of her mouth was, Are you kidding me? <laughs> Realized that I was on the knee for about five minutes before she ever said yes. And there were other words that, um, no matter how long we live, we'll never forget them. Um, some of you have read our story, so I thought I'd share a little bit about our story with you this morning. Some words that we'll never forget as, as long as we live um, came from our doctor the day our son had an MRI. Um, he had, on a Thursday, he, he had had a headache, and we had gone to the ER. He had thrown up, presented with some weakness on, on, his, on one side of his body, and they sent us home from the ER that night with a diagnosis of complex migraine. But we noticed that as the weekend progressed, his, his strength never returned on that one side. And so we followed up with our pediatrician on a Monday morning, and she said he, he needs an MRI, and the quickest way to get that MRI is, is to admit you to Batson, which is the, the children's hospital in Jackson. And so the next day we had an MRI, and the words that we'll never forget are, your son has a mass on his brain. And that began our, our journey. Um, we later found out, um, we, we originally, uh, the doctors sent us home, and originally they, they thought that perhaps, there, there was a couple of options. This was either something genetic, or something that was either caused by COVID, or it was a very aggressive brain tumor. And so we went home on steroids, um, the, the Thursday before Easter. And with the diagnosis of multi-system inflammatory syndrome with a scheduled uh, repeat MRI in a few weeks. Things seem to be getting somewhat better um, as we went along. Um, and then when our son came off of the steroids, things went haywire. And so the um, End of May, beginning of June uh, of 2021, we had a brain biopsy performed, and it came back that our son had had a glioblastoma, a pediatric glioblastoma, which is a very aggressive brain tumor. 500 children um, 
in the United States get them every year. Very, very rare. Um, survival rate for adults with a uh, glioblastoma is uh, 18 months if they're able to have a um, resection, if they're able to have a surgery that removes 80% of, of the tumor. Our, our son's uh, tumors, there were two of them, um, were inoperable because they'd already crossed the midline. No surgeon would touch it. So we began uh, radiation and chemotherapy shortly before Father's Day. Um, the first radiation treated the cause of the tumors were so large, um, because the tumors were so big, um, they had, uh, when, when the radiation hit it, it caused his brain to swell, caused the tumors to swell, and he went unresponsive for about a week. And so we, shortly after Father's Day, we, we came home on hospice care, and he ran into the arms of Jesus on August the 17th. And so what I want to tell you is this morning, and this is, we, we were never, there was never a time, Jordan, that, that we were not aware of God's presence with us, of God's goodness with us. And so we're, we're reminded, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is, has been a passage that has been very precious to us since this time last year. Because the day that we were sitting in um, the waiting room getting his first MRI, we looked down, we had, we had not eaten. It was about 1.30, 2 o'clock. Jordan's mother had brought us food from Cookout, which is a little fast food joint just down the road um, from, from Batson. And, and we didn't realize it. But Cookout had started printing scripture verses on their cups and on their bags. And so we looked down at our cup as the MRI was going on. And printed there on the cup is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll direct your paths. On our bag was printed John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so the Lord reminded us of two things in particular that day. Number one, he reminded us that he is worthy of our trust, even on the bad days. And he also reminded us that he loves us, and he is for us, even on our bad days. And, and so today, I don't know what you have walked in here with, but today this is the point of the message. Based on this passage, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I want to encourage you this morning to trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. This morning I want to encourage you, I want to exhort you, I want to challenge you this morning, church, to whatever season of life you find yourself in this morning, whatever season of your marriage that you find yourself in, wherever you are, whatever you're walking through, I want to encourage you this morning to trust in the Lord with all of your heart, even, especially, on your bad days. And so we think, well, why is this important? Why does this matter? Why, why would the Lord want us to trust in Him this morning? Why is the Lord worthy of our trust? Why is it important 
for me where I'm at in elementary school, in junior high, in high school, in my retired years, in my working years. Why is it important for me to trust in the Lord with all our heart? That phrase, trust in the Lord with all your heart, it literally means to throw yourselves prostrate before the Lord. And to trust in him and to say, Jesus, my only hope is you. And so why is that so important? Why does that matter? Well, here's why it matters, church. Whether you realize it or not, you are in one of three places this morning. You are either in dark days, you're coming out of dark days, or you're heading in to dark days. Hard times will come. Tough seasons will come into your life. And so we all by default run to something or someone when the rug of our life gets yanked out from under us, don't we? We will all run to something or someone. Some people run to drugs. Some people run to alcohol. Or some people run to my girlfriend, Little Debbie. <laughs> But we all run to something or someone when the rug of our life is ripped out from under us. And I am here to tell you that our hope for the dark days is Jesus. The only thing that will sustain you on your good days and on your bad days is Jesus Christ. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is what? Sinking sand. It will not sustain you. It will not hold you up. It will not serve as an adequate foundation. But Jesus will. And so for that reason alone, we want to be a people who trust in the Lord. Why is the Lord worthy of our trust? Why, how, why can we trust in the Lord with all of our heart? Well, number one, let me give you... Four reasons this morning that we can trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. Why is he worthy of our trust? Well, number one, you can trust in the Lord this morning because of who he is. So, if you have your Bibles, let's go back to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And by the way, if I step out over here, I, I walk a little bit. Can everybody still hear me okay? Okay, good deal. Mom always said that my voice was a blessing and a curse. <laughs> Man, if we, if we have revival and the weather roll, rolls in and it knocks our power out, man, if somebody will just hold me a flashlight so I can see my Bible, we'll be okay. But if you ask me to tell you a secret in the church house this morning, there's going to be people two parishes over here, okay? All right. Number one this morning, friends, we can trust in the Lord because of who He is. Look with me at Proverbs 3, verse 5. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. By the way, the book of Proverbs is all about a daddy wanting to impart wisdom to his son, wanting to impart wisdom to the next generation. And you see this throughout the book of Proverbs, don't you? you can, let's just stop and let's make this point real quick. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8, you'll see what I'm talking about. Proverbs 1, 8, the, the author of Proverbs, Solomon says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Verse 10, my son, if sinners entice you. Verse 15, my son, do not walk in the way with them. We look again, chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if you receive my words. And then Proverbs 3, 1. My son, do not forget my teaching. Now, I don't know about you, but if my wife repeats something to me six or seven times, it's probably time that I listen, right? 
And so what do we see here in the first three chapters of Proverbs? We have seen Solomon repeat over and over again, my son, listen to me because I'm going to tell you something that you need to soak in, that you need to absorb. Solomon's saying, son, don't do what your daddy did. Seek the Lord, honor the Lord, pursue wisdom. The book of Proverbs is all about Solomon wanting to impart wisdom to his son. Daddy's in the room. Listen to me this morning. You will impart something to your children and you will impart something to your next to the next generation your children will learn something from you they'll either learn how to fear the lord or to be foolish before the lord i don't know about you i'd rather my shit my kids learn how to be how to fear the lord Amen. from me and so solomon says my son trust in the lord with all your heart. Now there's something interesting here in Proverbs 3, 5 that I wanted to show you here. If you look at the word Lord, it's in all caps. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now why is that important, Pastor? Why does that matter? Because throughout the Bible we see all of these different names for God. Sometimes he is referred as Adonai. Sometimes he is referred to El Shaddai. We have all of these different names. But what I want you to see is that in Proverbs 3, 5, the, the word for the Lord that is used is the most sacred name of God. It is the name that captures all of God's character. Literally, it means being, I will be. Let me show you where it's introduced. You see this in Exodus chapter 3. Turn with me there for just a moment. Exodus chapter 3, Moses sees the Lord or sees his presence in the burning bush. This is Exodus Chapter 3, and then you will see this in verse 13. God, um, God appears to Moses. He tells him, I've come down. I've seen the affliction of my people. Verse 7, who are in Egypt. I've heard their cry. I know their sufferings, and I have come down. And then Moses says, well, who am I, verse 10, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out, out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you. Verse 13, then Moses said to God, Moses was really good at coming up with excuses. You can read all about his excuses in, Mo in Exodus chapter 3 and on into chapter 4. And Moses says to God, if I come to the people of Israel and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And then God said to Moses, I am who I am, all caps. Literally the word Lord. Capital L-O-R-D is a reference back to chapter 3, verse 14. And he says, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Literally, it translates, like we said, to being I will be. Now, why does that matter? Why is that important? Because every time we see that phrase, the Lord, and it's in all caps, it is a reminder to us of the nature and the character of God. It is a reminder to us about how good and how gracious and how faithful our God is. Exodus chapter 6, verses 2 and 6, you hear again this phrase, the Lord mentioned. Exodus chapters uh, 6, verses 2 and 6. And what you'll see is that in this passage, God says to Moses, I am the Lord, and I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But my, by my name, the Lord, all caps, I do not make myself known to them. I have established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel whom the Egyptians hold as slaves. 
and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. Well, pastor, what does that mean? Well, it means this, that when God says that he is the Lord, it at least means this according to Exodus chapter 6. It means that this morning, whatever, wherever you're at or whatever you're going through, God sees. He knows. He's not unaware. He's involved in every detail of your life. This is how good our God is. If we're asking this morning, who is our God? We can say that our God is a God who hears. Our God is a God who cares. Our God is a God who is concerned about the plight of his people, about the lives of his people, about the details, about the mess that they're going through this morning. Aren't you glad this morning that your God in heaven loves you and cares for you and is concerned for your well-being. His plans for you this morning are good. His plans are not to harm you. They are to prosper you and give you a future and a hope. Nahum 1.17 says this, The Lord, all caps, He is good. He is a stronghold in the day of troubles. My friends, when the ground around you is sinking sand, the Lord is good. He's a stronghold. He's a bunker. He's a shelter. He's a fortress in the days of trouble. Malachi chapter 3, 6. I am the Lord, all caps. I do not change. Well, friends, hear, hear me on this. Our seasons in life, they change, don't they? Fashion changes, doesn't it? Hairstyles change, don't they? Bubba knows what I'm talking about, brother. Hey, brother, man, that, that, there was a time, brother, that me and you had hair, right? Some of, some of you, have, have you reached that age where you've shown your grandkids or your kids your prom pictures? Yes, no? How many of you are praying that those prom pictures have, have gotten lost and no one sees the, the beehive or the mullets? Or the, uh, or, or, or the helmet hair. You know what I'm talking about. Right? Alright, look, look. This is going to be a lot more fun. This is going to be a lot better week if y'all just participate with me, okay? <laughs> Alright, how many of you had a mullet at prom? This means yes. This means no. You know, I, I think a mullet might be a hairstyle that I might pull off, Bubba. Yeah. You know, short, short in the front, long in the back. Maybe call it a skullet. <laughs> Our fashions change, don't they? Our culture changes. The, the opinions of politicians change, don't they? But aren't you glad this morning, church, that our God is the same today, yesterday, and forever? He does not change. He is not fickle. He does not fail. He is forever faithful. Aren't you glad of that this morning? And because of who He is, He is worthy of our trust. And He's not just worthy of our trust because of who He is. He is worthy of our trust because of what He knows. Listen to this. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not do what? Do not lean on your own understanding. And so what, Paul, what, what, what Solomon is telling his son here is that, Son, whatever you do, throw yourself face down on the Lord. Rely on what He knows. Do not rely on your own intellect. Do not rely on your own skill set. Do not rely on your own reasoning. 
Why? Because Solomon at least understood this, right? He understood that our understanding is limited. He understood that our minds are finite. Solomon understood that there are just some things that no matter how hard we try, no matter how much effort we put into it, we just can't get it. We just can't understand it, right? There are things in this life, friends, that no matter how hard you try, you can't understand it. For some of you, it's your spouse. You wonder, what in the world was she thinking? What in the world was he thinking? Is that you this morning? No, don't point. <laughs> Pastor Kevin will be happy to counsel you afterwards. For some of you, it's your job. For me, in, in school, it was chemistry and algebra. Like, friends, I, I, I was a straight-A student until algebra. I, I did really well in math until they started putting the alphabet in there. It's like, here's, here's your problem. Solve for X. Teacher, I, I don't know. Your X left you. I don't know why. <laughs> when I was in my freshman year at William Carey, remember we had a, I had to take college algebra. I've never understood. Kevin, I've never understood why I had to take college algebra to be a pastor. But anyway, I had to take college algebra to be a pastor. And I tried, and I tried, and I worked, and I worked, and I got tutoring. And the last day of that class, that professor looked at me, and he said, son, here's your final. I worked at it. I gave it my best shot. I walked up, and I handed it back to him. And he said, now, son, what's your major? <laughs> I, knew what he, I knew why he was asking. He looked at me and said, son, what's your major? And I said, religion, sir. I want to be a preacher, sir. I got my report card back or grades back, whatever. Look, it was a D. And I've never been so happy to see a D in all my life. I got out of that classroom. I never took another math class the rest of my life. And I've been preaching the gospel ever since. <laughs> chemistry in high school, I got, a, I got a D in high school. And the only reason I got a D in chemistry in high school was because my chemistry teacher for our final had us memorize the periodic table of elements. And we had to draw. There's like 100 of them. We had to draw one from, out from a hat. If we got the symbol, then we had to tell her what the element was. Or if we got the element, then we had to tell her what the symbol was. And I knew I had it down to a science, like what I had to make in order to pass the class. Drew the first one, and I got it wrong. And I said, uh, I better get this next one right, because if I don't get a 98, I ain't going to make it out of this class. Because remember, I got the next one right, and I think she... I think she was gracious. I think she gave me a C instead of a D, but that was just the grace of Jesus Christ exhibited through Donna Tree. And so we say, well, some things are just beyond our grasp and they're just beyond our ability to understand, but if I'll just rely on my heart, then surely my heart won't lead me wrong. But Jeremiah says it like this in Jeremiah 17, 9, that apart from Christ, our hearts are deceitfully wicked and they are desperately sick. Who can understand it? So, friends, if we're not to lean or rely on our own understanding, then whose do we lean on? We lean on God's. Our minds are finite, but His mind is infinite. Our understanding is limited. He is the foundation of wisdom and understanding. Our hearts are wicked, and His heart is pure. The Bible goes on and it says this, Behold, God is great, and we know Him not. The number of His years is unsearchable. He covers His hands with the lightning and commands it to strike its mark. Job 36, 26, and 32. Hear this, O Job. Stop and consider the wondrous works of God. 
Do you know how God lays his command upon them and causes the lightning of his cloud to shine? Do you know the balancings of the clouds, the wondrous works of him who is perfect in knowledge? That's Job 37, 14 and 16. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult and who made him understand? It's Isaiah 40, 13 and 14. Paul in Romans 11, after he unpacks election and predestination and God's sovereignty and man's free will, here's his response to that. Romans 11, 33. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Romans 11, 33. We can trust in the Lord because of what he knows. And here's the good news, friends. This God who knows it all, who says in the Bible that he is the Alpha and the Omega, that he hangs the earth on nothing, that he knows the beginning from the end, and that he calls things into existence, existence things that are, not, that are not yet. Here's the good news, friends. This God in heaven that knows it all, he knows you. The things in your life that you're proud of, the things in your life that you're not so proud of, he knows you and he loves you still. He knows the hairs on your head. For some of us this morning, he knows how many used to be there. For some of us this morning, he knows what color our hair used to be. He knows us deeply, and he loves us intimately. And because of what he knows, you can trust him. And third point, you can trust in the Lord because of where he's at. Listen to this in verse 6, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. He says, in all your ways acknowledge him. Literally, he's saying that whatever you do in whatever situation or whatever season of life you're in, he says, give God a seat at the table. Let God call the shots. Pastor Kevin, if God is their co-pilot, they need to swap seats, right? In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. And so what is the author of Proverbs? What's Solomon telling us here? He's saying that if you will acknowledge the Lord, he promises his presence with you. That if you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Matthew 6, 33, then all these things will be added upon you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll direct you. And so, friends, I don't know if you realize this or not, but our God has a long track record of being with his people. Something that we see throughout Scripture. Let's think about this for just a moment. How, did God, how has God been with his people throughout the Bible? Well, in Genesis chapters 1 through 3, he creates, he forms, he fashions Adam and Eve. How was God with Adam and Eve? He walked with them in the cool of the day, right? He walked with them. He appears to Abraham. He wrestles with Jacob, doesn't he? In Exodus... He appears to Moses in a burning bush. And then when he leads the people of God out from Egypt, his presence goes with them as a cloud by day and a fire by night, doesn't it? In Joshua 1.9, Joshua can look to the people of God and say, Do not fear, do not be dismayed. The Lord your God is with you. In 1 Kings and 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles and 2 Chronicles, we see the angel of the Lord, the presence of God, fighting battles for the people of God. <clears throat> Second Chronicles, we see Solomon building a temple and the presence of God fills the Holy of Holies and God is with his people. And then finally, in John 1.14, we see that the Word became 
flesh, and he dwelt among us, with us. Literally, he tabernacled among us. And then in Ephesians 1, Paul says that when we trust in God for our salvation, when we believe on the Lord to save us from our sins, then something miraculous happens. The Holy Spirit, God's presence, takes up residence in our lives. He is with us forever and ever. And then he says in Philippians 1.6 that this same God who now lives in you, who now dwells in you, will carry to completion the work that he began in you until the day you see him face to face. And so hear me on this. There is no height that you can ascend to and there is no depth that you can go to where God's presence will not be with you. Psalm 139 says you hem me up behind and between. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? The answer is nowhere. God is committed to you. And because of where he is, he's with you. You can trust him. So why can we trust the Lord? Why, why is the Lord worthy of our trust this morning? Well, first church, he, he's worthy of your trust because of who he is. He's God. He does not change. He is not fickle. He is not infinite. He is finite. He is faithful. His character is worthy of your trust this morning. You can, you can trust the Lord because of what He knows. He knows the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. He knows the very hairs on your head. He loves you. He cares for you. And you can trust Him this morning because of where He is. He's with you. But I want to give you one last reason, okay? Not only can you trust the Lord because of who He is, not only can you trust the Lord because of where He is, and not only can you trust the Lord because of what He knows, but, but you can trust the Lord because of what He's done. Because of what he's done. And so we'd be amiss this morning if we didn't stop and think about the gospel. And so what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that God has looked on sinful man like me and you. God has looked on us who were dead in our sins, hostile to him, offended him, rebelled against him, were cut off, had no hope of getting to him. And he has looked on us and said yes they have sinned yes they have rebelled yes they have offended me yet I love them and in order to save them I am going to send my son to live the life that they could not live die the death that they should have died and rise again from the grave God sent his son Jesus to drink a cup of wrath without mercy so that you could drink a cup of mercy without wrath. He sent his son to die in your place. To live in your place. So that if you would look on him, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord. Then you would be saved. Your sins would be forgiven. The sin and the shame that you can't forget, God says, I'll choose not to remember it. I'll turn from my wrath and give you my grace. I'll take your robe of shame and replace it with a robe of righteousness. And then more than that, I'll put my spirit within you to lead you, to guide you, to protect you, to preserve you until the day we see each other face to face. And then he says... And when you die, you won't stay dead. 
The grave will just be temporary for you. One day I'll see you face to face and I'll give you a new body. You'll be free from the presence of sin and from the power of sin. And we'll be together for all eternity. And so because of what Jesus has done, then I'm willing to bet that he's worthy of our trust in every area of our life. Not just because of who he is, not just because of what he knows, not just because of where he is, but because of what he's done. And so this morning, here's, here's what I want to challenge you. As we start this morning of revival, as we go throughout the week, here's what I want to encourage you to do. This is what I want to compel you to do. Look to your neighbor and say, trust in the Lord. Boy, that, was, that got awkward all this fast, didn't it? Look to your neighbor, the one that you, probably the one that you just ignored, and say, trust in the Lord. All right, let's try it one more time. What are we going to do, friends? What's the point of the message? Trust in the Lord. One more time, as loud as you can. Trust in the Lord. So here's my prayer for you this morning, church, with every head bowed and with every eye closed. This is my heart. This is my prayer for you. The Lord is worthy of your trust.